Hello and welcome to the First and Ten Podcast. I'm your host, Patrick Feltz, here in Bloomington, Indiana, and it's time for our recap of week five. Count them, one, two, three, four, five. Can you believe it? We're already to this point of the season. Big Ten football. Really unique week of Big Ten football is the way I'd describe it. Not a great week, but it was a week of Big Ten football, and honestly, that beats the alternative. So joining me, as always, to break it all down, Columbus, Ohio. It's Reed Murray. Reed, what's going on? Patrick, I thought we had escaped the convention of first and ten hosts being shocked by the passage of time. Yet here we are once again. Um, it happens too often. Time keeps moving. Can you believe that? I, I can't. No. The season started five weeks ago, which means we're already through week five of the season. What? What? Come on. <laughs> Get out of here. There's no way. No way. Well, I'm just as shocked as you are, Reed. But beyond that, uh, I'm a little bit shocked and appalled at the quality of football we had to watch this week across the Big Ten. Some teams laid some absolute eggs. We've got uh, a lot to discuss in that regard. But first, let's start with the people who didn't lay eggs. Reed, our winners of the week. I'm going to let you kick this one off. Who is your winner of the week? Well, this one of the week, it's a little bit more, it's a little less serious, a little less football related. I saw on Twitter a picture from the Nebraska-Michigan game. It was a Nebraska fan. I actually, I don't know if it was, I think it was from the Nebraska-Michigan game, or maybe someone just posted it because it was funny and it was relevant, but it's a picture of a Nebraska fan at some point in the the history of humankind wearing a t-shirt that said, we almost always almost win with a Nebraska logo. (laughs) That guy's my winner of the week because you know what? Nebraska fans, they endure so much and they receive so little. And I applaud them so much for still showing up for the team in the stands. And I have to applaud the self-deprecation, the ability to stick it out, the ability to, I don't know, make light of, of a bad situation where this team, it's reached such great heights and it has such high expectations and they just continue to disappoint left and right all the time. You know, kudos to this guy for for being able to take it on the chin and, and chuckle about it. Yeah, I... uh I imagine that there are some tears behind that smile, but hey, it's a smile nonetheless for him. So, uh, shouts to him. I, I, and they did not almost win this week, to be fair. Yeah. Hey, they almost always exactly. Hey, there's a qualifier on that read. Exactly. That's why it's a double qualifier. Huge, huge qualifier there. All right, Reed, I'll give you my winner of the week. It's Minnesota for beating the allegations. I accused Minnesota of not being able to score points, of not being able, uh, to win at home this week. And Minnesota came out in the first half, and they are who we thought they were, Reed. Louisiana Lafayette had the lead at halftime of this game. They blow it in the second half. Minnesota with 14 points in the fourth quarter. 21-7, to four, or twenty-one to seven, they outscored them in the second half. Wins this one by 11 points, which was exactly what the line was. Reed, Minnesota beat the allegations. They won a game at home, and it seems like in the second half of this game, they might have gotten their season back on track. Yeah, this definitely is a, the first step in getting the season back on track. And I still, I think it's still up in the air where Minnesota, where their future lies this season. I think that, that's kind of the case for many teams in this year's Big West, Big Ten West. I keep saying Big West. What, what is wrong with me? This year's Big Ten West. I think a lot of teams are sort of in this purgatory where no one can really tell exactly where the year is going to go. But if they are going to start moving in the right direction again, this was absolutely the step they had to take. And uh, this, this could turn out to be huge in the future. I don't want to put too much stake into it yet. And you know, next week they're 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 uh, going on to play Michigan, so they might just get derailed once again. But mm-hmm. this this is 
a step you have to take is, you know, beating a group of five team at home and, and, you know, a historically pretty great group of five team to be fair. Yes. But uh, yeah, back on track. Um, We'll see how far they ride that track, but the, like you, like I said, um, they are moving in the right direction. They are rowing the boat, so to speak, I guess what would it be upstream downstream. I don't know much about boats Pretty sideways. I would, I would call it sideways still the they're rowing in circles a little bit, but, Hey, at least the boat's rowing. It's not rowing backwards anymore. And this was the, the objective of the week for Minnesota. I think this was a make or break game. If they lost this one, you could kind of write the season off immediately, but they didn't. They stayed alive, and it's going to be a really interesting rest of the way for them to see if they can get to six wins. That big west you kept talking about, Reed. You're just really thinking about Cal State Northridge and Long Beach State. Oh, yeah, man. UC Davis, I, I broadcasted a soccer game of theirs about a month ago. It's just I, I can't get it out of my mind. How could you? I, I couldn't either. Definitely a uh, pretty part of the country. So worth thinking about. Shout, shout out to the Big West. All right, Reed. On the flip side, not everybody was a winner this week. Let's talk about our losers. I'll let you kick this one off. Who is your loser of the week? I'm going to say Iowa-Michigan State watchers. We talked about this one last episode about how this was, like you described it. I still am laughing about this. Um, movable object against stoppable force. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I guess also the loser is going to be Iowa's if their offensive situation couldn't get any worse now that Cade McNamara is out for the season. I mean, that's just the gut punch to end all gut punches. He was kind of the the one sort of beacon of hope in a, in a really hopeless situation. And he hadn't really lived up to maybe the hype of what he could have been, but even still, you, you still hold out hope for a guy who, who took a, a team to the playoff two seasons ago that he can turn things around. Um, so Iowa overall... I feel sympathetic for them, but also just Iowa, Michigan State watchers, people who have to to watch a game between these two teams that just are really, um, you know, these two teams played in the Big Ten championship game against one another eight years ago. Hmm. They know what it's like to be in New York Six Bowls and, you know, tops of their divisions. And now, I mean, Iowa still honestly could compete for a Big Ten West title. Iowa's season's not over at all, but they're just, they're just a hard team to watch. And they've been yeah. for, the past, for the past season and change. So, uh, yeah, I'll say people who who sat through this one on, on NBC, by the way, like you said, national uh, television. Yeah, national television for this. Well, it's going to be Deacon Hill, the Wisconsin transfer, another in conference transfer now starting for uh, the, the the Hawkeyes going forward with Cade McNamara, who of course was also an in conference transfer from Michigan. Get I get it. It's not Cade McNamara's fault that he got hurt, and that sucks. You feel bad for the guy. His, his season's probably done i think it's not officially done but it's more than likely it he, he is done for the year i don't know if he qualifies for a medical redshirt or not i can't imagine he does he's been in college for a while but maybe he does i'm not sure wow what a disappointing transfer though this really felt like it was going to be the catalyst to maybe kickstart the iowa offense get iowa playing real football on the offensive side for the first time in a long time first time maybe in my lifetime and it just wasn't, and it it failed, and you know, not it wasn't his fault entirely that it failed, but before the injury too, he just really struggled, and he talked a lot this off season. Everybody at Iowa talked a lot this off season about this is going to be new Iowa, and it just wasn't, and it was even worse than usual. And it sucks for Kate. It sucks for everybody involved with Iowa that he's hurt and that it didn't work, but it didn't work, and it's. I don't think unreasonable to be extremely disappointed by the Iowa offense, even in a win this week. Uh, it took a comeback in the fourth quarter, 13 unanswered for them to beat 
this miserable Michigan State team. I, I think that's a, a huge letdown for Iowa. And yet they're four and one in their 500 in conference play. And the next few weeks, they've got Purdue, Wisconsin, Minnesota, Northwestern, Rutgers, Illinois, Nebraska to, to round out the season. That's a really easy schedule. I, I mean, the only tough one at Wisconsin, I don't think Wisconsin is that great. All right. That's on the road. All right. Cool. They've only got two road games left, Reed. Two. They have one, two, three, four, five home games the remainder of the season. Well, Northwestern's a neutral site. Excuse me. I just see the verses on the schedule. It's a neutral site at Wrigley Field. But beyond that, only two true road games and then a, a game at Wrigley Field. A really easy schedule the rest of the way for Iowa. You'd like to have Cade McNamara for it, clearly. But I still think they're in a really good spot to, against all odds, potentially win the Big Ten West. Yeah, I, I mean, and I'm looking, you made the point about Cade McNamara, maybe he can get a medical red shirt. I'm looking, or that you you wouldn't imagine he could. I'm looking at the rules. And granted, NCAA eligibility rules kind of seem to sort of not exist and, and yeah. just fade in and out of what the, the rules are. But the article I was looking at says that it has to be a season-ending injury and you have to have not participated in more than 30% of the team's games that season. He has already participated in more than 30% of the games uh, unless Iowa goes on to win the national championship and, and plays a 15-game season. Then uh, that's not going to be the case. So, uh and I don't even know if postseason would count for the percentage. Either way, if the rules that are posted online apply about medical red shirts, he will not get one. I think you can apply for an exemption. But yeah, there have been and there's all kinds of exemptions now with the NCAA and, and transfer rules also seem to kind of not exist. Um, so and he, I think he already has used his COVID year because this is his fifth year in college, but. He might have also just had a regular red shirt his 2019 season because he didn't play that year. So I wouldn't be astonished if Cade McNamara plays college football one year. He also may not want to. I mean, he is 23 years old. He may not want to be a 24-year-old college athlete. Um, but, yeah, either way, it, it is really unfortunate on his situation. And, yeah, I mean, it's so hard to predict a team's outlook when they are just significantly better on one side of the ball than the other whether that's because they're really good on that side of the ball or just they're really bad on the other side of the ball. It is so hard to predict that. But I think the Big Ten West in general is so hard to predict this year. I think anyone can kind of – I mean, not anyone, obviously, but – Yeah, pretty not much. anyone. Not Illinois. Yeah, not not anyone. But but most teams not can – Not Not Northwestern. But about I, – I, you could tell me the rest of those teams who I haven't mentioned, including Purdue, could end up winning this division, and I'd agree with you, Reed. It's possible. Yeah, I, I I think anyone can fall rear end backwards into Indianapolis. So, uh, I mean, Iowa might they, they might be a decent bet. Like you said, the schedule is not too challenging. There's not an Ohio State or a Michigan on there. There's not, and they've already got Penn State out of the way. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I mean, it's a lot of home games too. Big Ten West. It really should be changed the Wild West that name because it's just you know. It's wild. And what a way for the Big Ten West to go out in true Big Ten West fashion. Doesn't get better than that. Yeah, you're right about that. All right. But my loser of the week, on the other hand, is uh, one that's near and dear to my heart, Reed. It's Walt Bell, the now former offensive coordinator of the Indiana Hoosiers. Congratulations, IU fans. You're free. Walt Bell has been fired. Um just an abysmal offensive performance, an abysmal defensive performance too for Indiana uh, on Mar- against Maryland on Saturday. 
Nothing but else my to loser say. of the week, I mean, what on the other hand, that hasn't been said before is, on the uh, team. One that's near and dear to my heart, Reed. They're bad. Walt Bell, they're the really now bad. former and, offensive uh, coordinator of the Walt Bell Hoosiers. was among Congratulations, the Congratulations, IU fans. Absolutely free. terrible play calling. Walt Lack Bell's been fired. Um, football, just an obsession with abysmal offensive the option. An abysmal defense. Despite neither too, Brennan Indiana, being uh, more Mar- against Maryland on Saturday. Quarterback. Nothing so else to say. I mean, what can be said that hasn't been said before about the side The play team. calling, though, was some of the worst I think I've ever seen. They're bad. At any level of They're football. really bad. And, it cost uh, them the Louisville game. Walt Bell it was among the certainly issues. didn't help them in the Ohio State absolutely game. Terrible play calling. And this weekend's lack Maryland, of preparation. I think the offensive side of the football. The just an obsession with size. The option, and despite neither Brendan Source uh, being nor Caden Jackson being an option, a quarterback going to its buy. So many new offensive coordinators. But I think the worst thing. The play calling, though, was some of the worst I think I've ever seen at, at any level. Scenario read. It cost them the Louisville game. You know, it certainly didn't help them in the Ohio IU State could game. have. And this week against Maryland, started I think we saw the team with their whole coaching capsize. Like, yeah. And obviously, Tom Allen is probably going to be around the rest of the season and next year due to the sheer size of his buyout. The new offensive coordinator, but I think the worst four million dollars this year. I think seven million dollars this whole next season. So he's probably not going to get scenario read. Is the issue, you know, is, you know, you can try and you could have with a new offensive coordinator. Somebody from outside from the program with their whole coaching staff. Fresh like, look. You know, at least next season. Obviously, Tom to Allen is probably going to be around maybe an the rest of this year. season and then next no. year. Just due to hired the sheer program. Buyout, if you're not Rod Carey is $24 new million dollars this year. Offensive coordinator. Not interim offensive coordinator. We'll offensive next coordinator. Season, so he's probably not going to get fired. It's such a lazy move. It's such an uninspired issue, And I wouldn't expect is, anything else from Indiana football. You can try and restart Tom Allen was with a new offensive coordinator. The internal candidate. Somebody from outside the program. Kevin Wilson's staff. Fresh look. At least next season. Going to next year. They just maybe an promoted him this year. as the permanent no. offensive coordinator. They hired within the program. It's a lazy move. Rod Carey is the new offensive coordinator. I don't know what's interim Tom offensive Allen, coordinator. If offensive Indiana coordinator. can scrounge up the money to fire It's him such a lazy move. They it's will. such an uninspired hire. And I wouldn't expect so, anything else from Indiana football. Going into next year, Allen was hired. it's probably going to be the, the end internal candidate for the Tom Allen uh, regime. Kevin Wilson's as of now, after their whole Kevin Wilson fiasco, sticking everything together with just a bunch promoted of him as the permanent hole. offensive coordinator. Firing Walt Bell is going to help. It's a lazy move. It's not going to do everything. And it reeks when you're desperation within for your new offensive I don't know what's next for Tom Allen. Position. If Indiana can scrounge up the money to How fire him this offseason, I think they will. But I don't know if yeah, that's I agree. possible. And I think Walt Bell so, had to go. I think at least they going did that, into right? next but year, I do question. It's probably going to be the end times, like you said, for the Tom Allen regime. But as of now, they're the whole kind of system is wrong. Sticking everything together with a bunch of band aids on the hole. Firing Walt Bell is going to help, but it's not going to do of, everything of that when you're hiring and, from within for a new offensive coordinator. Yeah, and, and uh, it's hard not to question a lot of things about the how much is really going right now in the offense might be cheap. Yeah, I agree. And I think all right, Reed, that'll do it for winners and losers. We're going to take a quick break. I do question after this. We will be right back. Like you said, how much truly will change when you know the whole kind of system is wrong, and then you hire someone who is a participant in that system? You do kind of question the validity of of that move and and what's going on moving forward. Yeah, and uh, it's hard not to question a lot of things about the Indiana football program right now, and the offense might be chief among them. All right, Reed, that'll do it for winners and losers. We're going to take a quick break. After this, we will be right back. Stay tuned. Back here in the first and 10, ready to get into the rest of our weekly recap. Reed, let's talk about our game of the week. Just kidding. We don't have a game of the week this week. None of the games were particularly interesting in the Big Ten. Not a lot to talk about in terms of just one particularly great game. Kind of a terrible, boring week of Big Ten football, Reed. 
Yeah, and, and it's not like we didn't see this coming either. We, and we were saying, hey, maybe there's a little bit of a of an upset brewing somewhere. Who knows? And for a little bit, Northwestern was cooking something up, but obviously it didn't turn out well for them. And I think we all kind of could have expected that, even after Penn State came out a little bit flat and didn't look great, as many teams have done on that in that noon slate on BTN at Ryan Field. But I think you kind of could see that the quality of Penn State was going to emerge one way or another. They were going to win the game. Yeah. Uh, yeah, otherwise, just not a very exciting week of Big Ten football. But again, like we said, we did see this coming entirely. Yeah, and even the one game that we said, oh, this one's bound to be competitive, Purdue and Illinois, which was a pick in terms of the spread, ended up being a blowout. That ended up being a blowout. There wasn't, I don't believe, a single one-score game in the con- conference this week. Let me look at that again. No, there was not. Everything was at the very least a two-score game. And the closest game, Michigan State and Iowa, we're not we're not picking that as our game of the week because we don't hate ourselves. <laughs> no, we're not doing that. So no game of the week this week. Everybody um, who played in the Big Ten this week should sit in the corner and time out and think about what they've done. <laughs> I love All that. Right. Well, beyond games of the week, there was a lot of great games outside the Big Ten, though. Well, I'll mention that. Notre Dame, Duke, Ole Miss, LSU, uh. Even that Texas-Kansas game for a little bit before Texas kind of blew the doors off of them was fun. Georgia-Auburn? Yeah, the Auburn-Georgia game. Georgia really – Alabama-Mississippi State wasn't bad either. It, it was... USC-Colorado ended up being decent down the stretch too. Mm-hmm. That one was more stressful for the betters, I think, than the people who just wanted to watch the game. Yeah, uh, true. My uncle placed a bet on USC minus 21, and he was telling me at halftime, <laughs> pretty all of a sudden. The, the ship the ship crashed but i just don't get betting on a, a spread like that that's so many points but hey didn't cash out that's a shame all right let's get into our players of the week reed well the games weren't great in the big 10 that's because a lot of them were blowouts and in those blowouts we saw some really good performances i'll let you start reed who was your player of the week i'm gonna say ty felton receiver out of maryland he uh he torched the school that you went to, Pat. That, that you go to, excuse me, Patrick. I'm still uh, there. Yeah, I hate to. Yeah, you. I hate to. Uh, you know, twist the knife on you there, but 134 yards, three touchdowns. I mean, that, that's a pretty solid game as a receiver, even though there there are um, some questions about the opposition. I mean, hell, Indiana's defense looked pretty good against Ohio State. It's, it's, it you know, it's not like it's a horrible defense that he he did this against. So, major props to Ty Felton of the Terrapins. Yeah, that guy had a great game. Just absolutely lit up Indiana's defensive backs. Really, really, really impressive performance from him. Uh, on the flip side of that, I'll take an offensive player here as my or an offensive player here as my player of the week. I said player too many times. Let's go Hudson Card from Purdue, uh, the quarterback. Couple of pretty touchdown passes through for two hundred seventeen yards in an absolute romp of Illinois. I called this the loser leaves town match. Read. Uh, I think Purdue season's back on. They're two and three. Still a lot of Big Ten games left to play. Only two conference games down. Illinois, same record, but Illinois looks pretty hapless, Reed. Just did not look competitive in this game in the second half. Purdue just blew the absolute doors off of them. I was impressed by the Boilers. They played disciplined football in the second half. They played smart football in the second half. They look like the Purdue offenses we've gotten to know over the last couple of years. Just absolutely lighting it up on the scoreboard. Illinois just could not hang with them on the offensive side of the football. And it's the apprentice who gets the master here. Ryan Walters, head coach at Purdue last season, he was Brett Bielema's defensive coordinator at Illinois this year as the head coach of the Boilers, he gets the better of his former boss and the Purdue cannon is staying in West Lafayette. 
Hudson yeah, and I think of the week. And I think on the topic of outlooks, because we were looking at this earlier, Illinois, like you said, loses Leafs Town. I mean, I, I still think anyone from the Big Ten West could compete for a bowl game, but Illinois, it's looking pretty tough for them because even the games against the lower tier opposition, Northwestern, Nebraska, Indiana, I still think those are going to be competitive games. I mean, they, those aren't gimmies. There's no games, like you said, yeah, no gimmies. No games where you're just going to waltz in and, and come away with a win. So I think it is really kind of dire straits for Illinois right now. And, uh, you know, getting blown up by any team never makes you feel optimistic, but especially getting blown up at this year's Purdue team, it just it calls into question. Well, I guess that even calls into question. It kind of more solidifies what mm-hmm. this year is going to look like. Even the games Illinois won this year have been squeakers against Florida Atlantic and against Toledo. They've yeah. struggled. Every single game this year, Reed, there's not been one performance. Even Indiana has a performance you can point to and say against Indiana State, they look great. Or uh, Northwestern has a performance against UTEP where you can say, wow, Northwestern played really well in that game for four quarters. Illinois does not have a performance all season where you can say that was a great game by Illinois for four quarters. It's absolutely dominated inferior opposition or yeah, an inferior team. They haven't done that even against bad teams or against lower ranked teams whatever i don't know if florida atlantic's bad or toledo's bad but they're a mac school and what's florida atlantic now they in the american or whatever's left of the american uh they're they're somewhere they're somewhere in one it's, of those g5 conferences respectfully they're, they're florida atlantic still illinois should take care of business against them and they did barely barely um just a really bad season so far from illinois and a team who we all had really high hopes for after what they did last season but expect the unexpected in the big 10 west and certainly is looking like a down year in Champaign, particularly on the offensive side of the football, just abysmal. And Purdue, finally a good performance from them. I guess it remains to be seen what's left for the Boilers this season. A really tough opening to the schedule. Next week they're at Iowa, which, you know, we talk about it all the time, Reed. I'm going to sound like a broken record. Sometimes certain teams just beat certain teams. Purdue against Iowa is one of those teams. And then they've got Ohio State the week after that. So really interesting couple weeks left for Purdue. We'll see what they can make of it. Tough schedule, though. They have both Ohio State and Michigan on the slate this year. I still think that there's a way for this team to get to six or seven wins. I just do. I just do. I agree. All right, Reed. Getting out of our players of the week. Let's go into Wheezy. I'll let you start here. It's Wheezy F. Let's go. I'm going to say Wheezy F baby and F is for a full running back room getting some action this week. Stretch and a half. I know. Yeah. I uh, couldn't think of not too many F terms pop straight to my head. I want to talk about the Michigan running backs and uh, this is the best I could do. We'll take uh, it. Um, you know, cause you know, looking through the box scores and this week and everything I see, there's no real Michigan running back who, who kind of exploded uh, on the stat sheet. That's because a lot of running backs got action. And I think that's huge, you know, in a game where you go up big and you can kind of, mix the depth around a lot of Michigan running backs were able to get in. And we talk about the Michigan running back duo, right? Edwards and Corum phenomenal duo. But when you start to get Kalel Mullings, Leon Franklin, Tavier Dunlap, Jaden Denegal, all these guys in there, you start to kind of test out like who, who gels the best here, who looks good in these situations. And I think that is really the nowadays in college football, kind of the, the maker of a great team. Like you looked at you look wins at, championships. You look at Notre Dame against Ohio State, they, they were rotating three backs in and out. And, and Audrick Estime is obviously 
the guy at Notre Dame, but they have some they have some serious depth at that position, and they're getting those guys action. Michigan doing the same thing, showing off that depth. Who knows how much any of these guys are going to play for the rest of the season, but just getting them involved and in a conference game, like it's one thing to do that against Bowling Green or whoever, but getting them involved, it's huge. And especially, and also props to Michigan for finally, you know, covering a spread, looking impressive, especially in a conference game. Michigan, they had yet to do that. Now I start to feel like this is the Michigan team we'd seen last year. This is the Michigan team that we were kind of expecting to see this year. They are kind of those Wolverines that we know once again. Yeah, great, great, great Saturday for Michigan. And it's that depth. Depth wins championships. It does. you got to be able to have that next man up mentality. It's a cliche in football for a reason, Reed. If one of these guys goes down, Michigan's not screwed. Whereas a lot of teams in the sport, when they lose their capital G guy, the guy who's carrying their offense, like running backs do for Michigan, they're toast. Michigan's not. They have a number of guys in this room, like you said, so many names who could fill in and do a great job. And I think that's the sign of a really, really healthy football program. So good shout there. Um, on my other hand, I'll go Wheezy F baby and the F is for fourth down Northwestern. What were you doing? This was one of the most maddening things I think I've ever seen uh, in terms of coaching. I get Northwestern comes into this game, heavy heavy underdogs at home. Penn state's heavily favored. Northwestern kind of wants to get, you know, some luck swinging their way, get some momentum, steal something that they probably have no business stealing. I get it. However, the way to do that is not going forward on fourth down on back-to-back possessions inside your own half of the field and compensating for one, then going for another, giving Penn state an extremely short field, giving them 10 free points early in the second half, completely taking away any of your momentum, giving Penn state a two score lead, and just taking yourselves completely out of the game from there. And listen, Northwestern probably wasn't going to hang on in the second half, but they had a tie game, and then they gave it away by giving Penn State back-to-back short fields. Just poor coaching by Penn State, or by North Northwestern, rather. It was okay coaching by Penn State. It was an okay game by Penn State. Penn State did not particularly impress me in this game. They played a pretty sloppy first half. Northwestern scrapped their way into this one in the first half. And then Northwestern in the second half just said, here, Penn State, please take the game. And Penn State took it. Yeah. Um, like we mentioned a little bit earlier, you can't give too much props to Penn State for this one. Like you said, they, they kind of just right. was given to them. And, I mean, I, I guess credit to them because there have been teams in college football this year who have been given things and not taken them. So, you know, I, I guess you could say bottom line, at least they – they take the layups and they make the layups because, hey, some basketball players can't make layups. Yeah. Uh, you know, you got to be able to make them when they're given to you. But, yeah, uh, this definitely was. Northwestern, on one hand, they made it hard, but at the same time, they didn't make it hard on Penn State. And, uh, yeah, this was just a weird game. It was such a weird game. But I feel like every marquee-ish opponent who goes to Evanston and plays Northwestern plays a weird game. Not a whole lot of normal games in Evanston. I agree. I mean, look at last year, Ohio State. I mean, Absolutely. Happened. It's a great example. They muck it up. And I said it wasn't yet mucky because of the nice weather that they had in Evanston. It looked beautiful. But it got mucky anyway. And Northwestern did the Northwestern thing where they just make the other team forget how to play football for a half. And then Northwestern handed them the game. All right, Reed. Before we close out this show, let's get into our SMP ballots this week, our Big Ten rankings. Who holds your rank from the Big Ten this week, Reed? It's the same three teams as last time, just Michigan, Ohio State, and Penn State. I'm actually I'm pulling up my spreadsheet now. 
to look exactly where I put them because uh, quite because my rankings have changed so much this season. But this week, I actually, in a big change from last week, Michigan number one. I had the Ohio same thing. State two, Ohio State two, Oregon same three, thing. Penn State four, Georgia five. Now, the big Ohio, Ohio State, Michigan one and two. I actually had Penn State in the seventh spot this week, Reed. Wow. Well, see, for me, last week, I mentioned the last podcast, but to remind you, last week I had one Georgia, two Penn State, three Ohio State, four Michigan, five Oregon. I had to bump down Penn State a few pegs after, you know, I had talked about how consistent they were and how complete they were. They looked less complete and less consistent. I mean, they, they're still a great team, but less complete and less consistent than they'd been earlier. So I had to bump them down a little bit. Yep. And Michigan, they finally, I opened up the season with Michigan at one, and they finally looked like the team that I thought was number one beginning of the year. Ohio yeah, State. And I think Ohio State's great this year. I'm not ready to put them at one yet. They haven't earned it. Um, couldn't do that. Oregon looked great again. They've been phenomenal through this year. But again, can't put them at one yet. I like Michigan. I'm the most confident in Michigan. And then uh, Georgia at five, you, you just simply have to be better than they were against Auburn. And then against South Carolina, too. They weren't great. Um, Tennessee blew the doors off South Carolina. Georgia did not do the same at home. Or Yeah, at home. And then again on the road at Auburn. Our rankings you know, are so again, similar. On, <laughs> Another non-phenomenal performance. You can't just keep giving Georgia credit because of what they did last year. Reed, this is this is going to sound like a broken record, but I've got Michigan 1, Ohio State 2, Oregon 3, Texas 4, Georgia 5. I completely agree with you on Georgia. They've really struggled in a pair of games this season. I'm not going to let them keep skating by like this. It's just at a certain point, you have to look like the best team in the country if you really are the best team in the country. This week in Nebraska – I get it. It's Nebraska. Michigan looked like the best team in the country. They finally put the foot on the gas. Georgia, against real competition, just has not done that. Even against significantly inferior competition, Georgia has struggled to put their foot to a team's throat and just blow them out. Have not seen that level of football from Georgia this year. We've got Ohio State in the two spot simply because they have the most impressive win in the entire country. Oregon, I've gotten the three. They also, for the most part this season – have looked absolutely incredible on, on offense in particular, put up some insane stats and uh, have blown out almost everybody on their schedule, except for Texas tech. And, and they beat Texas tech still, you know, convincingly is what I would say. Texas is the second most impressive win in the country. I've got them at four, and then Georgia largely on reputation is in that five spot for me. Penn state's at seven, just still, I have not been, I've been impressed by Penn State for sure, but I had to raise a lot more questions after the performance against Northwestern this week. Can't really reward that one a whole lot. If I'm going to dock Georgia for it, I've got to dock Penn State for that against a significantly worse team than Auburn is in a significantly less difficult to play in environment at Ryan Field. Uh, And then I've actually got Maryland in the 25 spot too. They're an undefeated Power 5 team. I get it in September, and I'll probably – be kicking myself for having ranked Maryland in November, but I'm going to do it this week, at least for one week. Congrats Terps. Yeah. I'm, I'm holding off on Maryland right now just because they just, yes, they're five and they're the power five and that's, that's huge, but they just haven't done quite enough to really impress me yet. I'll no, I say, I, I usually don't, don't like giving teams. Almost props for a loss. I usually don't like giving teams props for a loss, but if they lose well against Ohio state or, I mean, if they beat Ohio state, they're obviously in the rankings. Um, and if they lose and look strong against Ohio State, I'll probably also rank them. Um, but I haven't seen it yet. But, it, but they are on my radar, though. Hey, we'll see what happens this week in a huge, huge game for the Terps. going to be an interesting one. Good good slate on our hands this coming Saturday. 
All right, Reed, let's get into our shout-outs. Let's close this one. We get a shout-out. Oh, man. Um, I'll shout-out Jacob Brodson, roommate of mine. It's his birthday tomorrow. Happy 20th, JB. Um, yeah, I love that guy. And uh, got to shout him out. Happy birthday, Jacob. I'll uh, I'll give him a shout-out as well. That's awesome. So, Jacob, if you're listening, if you made it to the end of the show, thank you for listening. We, we appreciate that, and we wish you a happy 20th birthday. Hope you live it up, buddy. Um, who do I have to shout out, Reed? Uh, I will give a shout out to, I don't know. You know, I thought I had a good shout out, but I, I can't think of one anymore. Reed. Oh, you know what I'll do? I'll shout out our friends at the student media poll, which is, you know, you and me among others for launching men's hockey this week. That's a new thing that we just did. So shout out to Student Media Poll Men's Hockey. There's a piece of news for you. If you like college hockey, go to studentmediapoll.com and check it out. We think you'll like it. All right, Reed, anything else before we close this one out? Nothing for me. Nothing for me either. All right, everyone, we'll see you later this week. Thank you so much for listening to First and Ten. For Reed Murray, my name is Patrick Felsen. We'll see you next time. Bye.